Warning, Weird West Radio contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. distance between two points is a kidnapper and his money. But we were through jerking around. Alright, hello everybody. Welcome to Weird West Radio on Rain Man Digital. I am Michael Flores, your host, and in the studio with me as per usual is Clint Felton. Hello, Clint. What's up? Alright, we're <laughs> galloping down the roads on our horses. Uh, you are riding side saddle like you do usually, right? Yep. I don't like hurting my balls. Yep, you don't want to pinch them, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so today you and I are going to be talking about a movie, a contemporary Western film by the name of The Way of the Gun. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is a movie directed and written by one of my favorite directors. And I, I have to think at this point in the game, Clint, that if you listen to Rain Man Digital regularly, you know that Christopher McQuarrie is one of my top picks for writers and directors. He's just fantastic. The work mm -hmm. he's done. Uh, he's gone under the radar for a lot of years. I don't think a lot of people realize how many projects he's a part of some of which he doesn't even get credit for because he's kind of uh, built himself a little, a career I'm envy of. That's the type of career I would like to have. Hey, we need you to punch up this script because the writer we hired sucked. Uh, can you come in here and fix it? And we're going to pay you a boatload of cash for one week of work. How does that sound? Sweet. Yeah. That's kind of what his career has been for the past uh, maybe 15 years. And then recently he started doing his own things again. But he's a fantastic talent. And this movie clocking in at a runtime, a running time of an hour and 59 minutes is led by actors Ryan Filippi, Benicio Del Toro, Juliette Lewis, James Caan. Ah. Uh. Yeah, Mr. Shoulders himself, uh, <laughs> Tay Diggs, Nikki Cat, just to name a few, because the list goes on and on. Every single actor is so well cast in this movie as well. They all work together. They mm -hmm. all fit the the world that McQuarrie created in this two hour Western epic. Um, and this film for me is is an inspiring picture. I know that sounds like I'm putting a lot on a film that most probably shrug and say, "Oh yeah, that." That flick, it was entertaining. But in my opinion, it's an example of director McQuarrie's prowess as a filmmaker and an artist. 
Now, this film is very much the product of the Tarantino Robert Rodriguez craze of the 90s and 2000s. Not saying that director Christopher McQuarrie was ripping off their films like so many were at this time, but this more or less is a byproduct of the studios looking for that genre stylistic piece. So directors that had an affinity for the style of cinema were able to get their pictures financed a lot easier, like Christopher McQuarrie. And this is how a lot of movies get made. We already know this. Studio execs look to what is popular and they greenlight popular pieces. Uh, This is why we got a specific style of horror film in the 60s or even closer to home. The Westerns of the 50s and 60s, including their infamous and their infamous counterpart and subgenre, the spaghetti Westerns. And of course, bringing it to more contemporary times, the superhero movies that we're getting today. When something does well, you have the executives looking for the next big picture. That's what they do. So, yes, this movie, The Way the Gun is a byproduct of the Tarantino Robert Rodriguez era that they, you know, card for themselves, but at least he brought something creative and unique to the table because this was a time where we were getting a lot of those shitty cool guy movies you know the 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 b cools john travolta being cast in everything because he was in (laughs) pulp fiction and all of them were you know i want to say uh not carbon copies but carbon copies of tarantino's movies without the soul and same thing with rodriguez you had a lot of people definitely ripping his whole you know mexican spaghetti western vibe whereas with this movie yeah was able to get made because it shared stylistic approaches, but it also took the genre in a very different direction. And I was going to just mention that I felt that a lot in the car scenes. Yeah. It was, it reminded me of like reservoir dogs and uh, the scene where you have Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta, you know, in the car together and all that, that type of feel to it. And there's other moments in the, the film, of course, but I think for me, it was actually the car scenes that really popped that that era. I'm not yeah. even going to say the Tarantino, but you kind of mm-hmm. have to. But right. definitely that time frame is definitely stuck in that that movie, especially yes. with the cars. <laughs> yes, this is going to be the movie that you throw in the mix in 30, 40 years. And our kids are doing podcasts talking about movies. Clint. They're going to be like. You know, in the 2000s, you had the specific style. I'm going to call it Tarantino-esque. It is a thing. Yeah. It, we can call it what it is. It, in a lot of ways, Tarantino created his own genre, a subgenre of the crime and Western sagas. And I feel that this movie probably can fit into that. I don't think McQuarrie was thinking, I'm going to copy Tarantino, but it, it's, a, it's a style. It's sure. a style that's been around for many years. And when you have an affinity towards the arts, and t- when it comes to film, you're going to kind of gravitate to a specific style or genre of a time period. And just like you and I do, what do we gravitate towards? The 60s for a lot of our Westerns, because mm-hmm. there's a style we love there. And if we were to sit down and make a Western together, chances are we're probably going to have elements from the 60s in our movie. Oh, that's sure. What, that's what we like. Now, before we get too far into this discussion, I want to get your overall thoughts on this picture. I don't think we've ever sat down and discussed this, even off the air. I think there's been some mentions here and there that it's a great movie. You've mm-hmm. heard me below McQuarrie 
time and time again throughout the last four or five years. But what are your overall thoughts on the movie? In well, a nutshell. The, go ahead. In a nutshell. The first time I ever saw it, I didn't like it. I don't really? know what it was about it, but I did not find it appealing. I don't Shame know if, you. if you're wearing down on me or if it's just uh, I've gotten a little more mature in looking at everything. But the second time around, I got a lot more out of it. And I felt that it was a, a way better film than I gave it credit for the first time. And plus, I'm a Benicio Del Toro. Uh, yeah. I, I think I think... You know, what's that? I can never pronounce it. Sirico? Oh, yeah. Sicaro. Sicaro. Thank you. Yeah, oh, Dude, I, he, he can't do any wrong in my I opinion. I mean, really. The only thing I didn't like him in was uh, when he was in the, one of those Marvel movies. The, oh, yeah, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. And yeah. also the Star Wars movie where he offered nothing of substance to yeah. the performance. Yeah. That's, that's just wanting to be in a film. That's cool. He can do that. Right. But where he really shines is kind of that hitman gun toting he's so good yeah i mean he made the film for me and sort of james con so i this second time around i really enjoyed it yeah i agree with you about dotoro he he has a presence that he has a presence that just sells it's a swagger that's it's a swagger yes, that go. works in almost every movie he's in. And I'm not saying he doesn't have range because he does. He's played so many different roles, but he brings this, this, I want to say this nuanced portrayal to every character and every character that he plays is different, but it's still very Del Toro ish. Like that's, that's Benicio being him. Like yep. he does such a great job and he does a lot without talking. And I think that's another reason why it worked so well. His his performance worked so well in a, in a picture like this because it didn't require a lot of dialogue. Yes, the movie started out with a lot of talking, but as the movie progressed, you it goes down to almost nothing. It's more mostly scenes and reactions and body language is how they're communicating, which is a fantastic way to show the type of rapport that was no doubt on set between the director and the actors. Well, anytime he he looks left or right or looks around a building or looks for something bad and he's got his he has a a certain hold of his pistol. Yeah. In, in just about every movie, you know, he's got the one arm kind of in and he's got the gun over the arm. I mean, it he's got a really cool way about him. And then if you go watch an interview about him, he's he's cool, but he's quirky. Yeah. And so it's totally the opposite of what he's just portrayed in whatever movie you know and it's pretty yeah. cool that's a good actor yeah now obviously we're blowing this film but it really is quite the achievement and easily up until mission impossible fallout is mcquarrie's best work mm -hmm. that being said my thoughts are based mostly from a film geek's perspective and just like a lot of genre pieces they don't quite work for everyone I understand that they usually tend to gain a cult following and become forever worshipped among some circles and hated among others. Although I've never heard anyone that I know specifically say, hey, I hated this movie. But if you go on the Internet where there is a lot of hate to be found, yes, you can definitely see some people talking some trash about it. In fact, it has a 43 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. And I don't I don't even understand that. 
I, yeah, I have to question the validity of that website when a film like this is sitting at 43%. <laughs> now, it goes without saying, Macquarie was playing tribute to the latest or the late great Sergio Leone, which is probably the biggest reason why I gravitated to this movie the moment I popped it in. Uh, with minimal dialogue, grand Western-style action sequences, show the chosen camera framing, nifty fight scenes solved by clever gunplay or witty quirkiness. Uh, there were also nods to John Ford, Sam Peckinpah, or bloody Sam Peckinpah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this film is, in my opinion, a Western nerd's delight. It has a little bit of everything in it in terms of western western genres is not just paying homage to leone but it's paying homage to the american westerns as well it's really the small things that make this movie so great there's the attention to detail as i was talking about with benicio del toro's performance but also with ryan Filippi, uh tay diggs and nikki katz it's a nuanced look at, at, at their body language and rapport, or I should say a nuanced attention to detail to their body language and rapport that they have with each other as characters and obviously as actors. There's so much unsaid in this film, and yet Macquarie worked so well with Del Toro, Flippy, Tay Diggs, and Katz in such a way that they were able to deliver performances with minimal dialogue. Uh, and that's something that I I still remember sitting down in 2000. Yes, I was drawn to these these pieces where there was lots of dialogue and discussion, especially at this time because of Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs and, and Jackie Brown and, and uh, Dust Till Dawn, Desperado. There were so many great dialogue moments that were funny and hip. And yes, I liked it. But when I turned this movie on, I felt like the beginning of it was going to be a carbon copy of what we've been getting because you had those funny lines when they were, donating their sperm to make money (laughs) i was like those are some great lines of dialogue it it shows how they think but that's all it was there to do it wasn't there to fill time it wasn't there because the director couldn't tell a story without talking because the moment we understood who these characters were and the story got started the the dialogue for the most part ceased to exist and all communication was done by all the communication between our characters was done for the most part with eye glances and nods. Mm-hmm. That's it. And the, 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 the four of them just were brilliant that that scene where they first try to go after Juliet Lewis's character, uh, where you have, uh, Filippi's character, Del Toro, uh, Diggs and cat, and they're just squaring off. No talking, all business, it sells itself, and that's what, within the 15, 20 minutes of the movie? Yep. And you're completely captivated by these action sequences that are so well choreographed. Talk about working well with your stunt team as well, because these people were performing the action. I was looking for a lot of cuts to see when we would um, take maybe some of these actors out and put the stuntmen in, but these guys were being trained on how to carry a weapon, how to shoot, how to perform. It was very... um there were moments that were Western, but that came more towards the end of the movie. The beginning, it was very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not, I want to say military trained. I want to say it oh, was, sure. 
choreographed or yeah yeah it it just it was such a great way to sell the idea that these four characters were all forces to be reckoned with and it was a great way to frame the movie knowing that hey the end of the movie is an end with these four as well for the most part and you know you mentioned how many characters and actors we have in 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 just this this movie is and sometimes when you have that many people or personalities or whatever yeah, it gets yeah. it gets really messed up it yep. gets really full of itself gets full of itself and you start to kind of lose interest and, and some sh- stuff doesn't make sense and this actually was pretty clean you know everybody had their their role they didn't get to where you couldn't keep track of who the what the where's the hows you know they kept it they kept everybody, everybody's in their place, in their place, so that it ran smoothly, and you could follow along. I mean, obviously, we have a great kind of surprise at the end, but mm-hmm. it's, but it's, it's the way they did it to make it so that it wasn't just this mess of a movie, and then you get the 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 ending. Yeah. It was really, I, I that's the one thing I was kind of nervous about when I was watching it, but I. I'm like, okay, we've got all these characters. It, when's this going to get messy? And yeah. it never did. It it stayed clean throughout the whole thing, and that's the part I liked. And you yeah. were mentioning about uh, their dialogue being funny and and stuff. I think I even when I was watching this, I had to text you, and I even <laughs> said he just called them guys bullet catchers. <laughs> it's, I mean, that's got to be the greatest line that I've ever for I've ever heard. I mean, it was yeah. just. The way he delivered it and brought it to him, I just I got, I got a text, Mike. That's I, I don't even remember that line, and so it was great. And like you said, the dialogue was there to help move the movie. And then when it wasn't, it was more action. And I thought yes. that was uh, again that helped make it flow better throughout the movie with all these different actors. It was great. Yeah, you said a few words in there that I want to stress as well. You said clean, and you said. Um, um, oh, what was the other thing you just said? You mentioned that the dialogue was uh was done, and then there was action, but also there was um to add to that clean feeling you're talking about. A lot of McQuarrie's, I think, choices were based on that. Like he wanted something very clear cut, not messy. And yes, you're talking about the way the characters are are uh, conveyed to us in the film that there's no getting confused between who's who it's a big cast, but also in the way that McQuarrie chose to shoot this with cinematographer, uh, Dick Pope. Um, he utilizes a lot of masters more than coverage. And just to kind of quick, quickly highlight what that means. Uh, when you shoot a scene in a movie, there's numerous parts to the scene. Uh, for example, you have the master, the master is, the wide shot. So let's say, for example, um, McQuarrie has a scene outside the hospital with Del Toro, Filippi, Cat, and Diggs, okay? And they're all facing off with their guns. Now, a wide would be, hey, they're going to have the hospital in the background, there's going to be the cars in the foreground, and then you're going to have all four of our characters in the same shot. And then you're going to shoot the entire scene. 
let's say the scene is four minutes, five minutes long. You're going to shoot that whole scene all in one take without probably even moving your camera. You're probably going to have your camera locked down and that's the master. Then you do coverage. That's where you punch in. So if you want to get, let's say Del Toro's character looks at Filippi in a certain way and you want to make sure you capture that look. Well, then you punch in and get that. And you usually do that for every single character in the scene. So if there's four people in the master, you have to punch in and get coverage. You'll probably get a medium shot of every character, then a, a close up. And maybe you'll get a shot of the gun or a guy's hand or his stance. And you'll do that for every single character. So you'll, you'll end up having in a scene like that, you'll have like 25, 30 different shots. Well, McQuarrie for this movie chose to utilize mostly just masters. He had very minimal coverage. That's why we get a lot of those shots that build atmosphere, which is very Leone. Leone love those grand establishing shots. Although Leone also used coverage. McQuarrie kind of stayed away from coverage and mostly stayed to the, the atmosphere building shots, which added to a more clean feel when you watch the movie, the cut, the edit of the picture, it flowed easier without saying, hey, here's a wide shot. Now we're going to punch into Del Toro, then Filippi, then Diggs, then Juliet Lewis's character. No, it was just the master and it helped the flow and the tempo of the movie stay consistent and it built a more immersive feeling. Mm -hmm. And And because he does this at times, I feel like I get the distinct feeling that we are in the moment. We are part of the movie. If we were there, we would not be privy to every moment. We'd only know as much as we had witnessed. Um, so there's scenes where the action is happening all around us, but we only see what is in front of the camera, where McQuarrie and, and uh, cinematographer Dick Pope chose to show us. And this is where, again, exceptional choices, uh, you have sound design comes into play because we may not see everything, but we fucking hear it. Yep. The gunfire is all around us. Uh, cars crashing, people dying all around us. Do we see every single one of those instances? No, but we hear it. Uh, one scene that comes to mind is the sequence at the beginning of the film or towards the beginning of the film when uh, Juliette Lewis's character, Robin, is told by her, her EP group, her executive protection detail, to stay put while they handle this potential threat. Rather than having various... Coverage shots showing Tay Diggs and Nikki Katz characters running into the fray. We stay with Robin the whole time, mm -hmm. all while we hear screams and death. And we have these sounds drifting towards us, drifting That's towards the camera. Great, great shot, too. It's it's just so good. This movie, as I said, I believe sits at 43 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And I just don't understand how a lover of film which you should be if you're reviewing movies, you should be a lover of film can watch this movie and not become inspired by the the intelligent, gritty skill set to used. You know, I should say the intelligent, gritty skill set used to shoot this picture. It blows me away. I mean, some of this can be due to the overt narrative. Maybe some people aren't maybe they're not paying attention to the stylistic approaches, perhaps. I think because of the dialogue, maybe uh, it ceases. I'd say about a quarter into the movie. Some might think of it as a shallow story because McQuarrie doesn't take you by the hand. 
He relies on his visuals and actors to take the viewer to the finish line. So maybe that's why some people just, I, I don't want to sound like an arrogant douche. This film, I think, goes over some people's heads. They're like, I don't know, it's just a bunch of shooting and, and then there's no talking and there's lots of talking in the beginning and then there's no talking at all. I don't get it. <laughs> I just think it's a fantastic movie. Um, now, before we go to break, we do have to go to a very quick break, Clint. Um, not before. We do. We need to go to a break right now. Uh, <laughs> but when we get back, we're going to jump into a little bit more of McQuarrie's work. Because I guarantee you there's projects that McQuarrie has worked on that people have no idea this man has had a hand in. We'll be right back. Don't y'all go nowhere. Weird West Radio will be right back. Acorns, Acorns Core automatically invests your spare change and lets you invest as little as $5 anytime or on a recurring basis into a portfolio of ETFs. Your investments are then diversified across more than 7,000 stocks and bonds and automatically rebalanced when the market fluctuates. Save for the future and invest with Acorns. Once the show is on demand, click the Acorn link within the description of this broadcast and start saving. Want more Weird West Radio? Get more Western discussions, plus some pulpy fun. Get more Weird West Radio every month with the Patreon Mike and Clint Do You Right tier. When you pledge just $4 or more a month, you will receive two to four additional broadcasts every single month. More movie discussions on the weird, strange, and traditional Westerns, including episodic breakdowns on the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. and the Wild Wild West. Also, for you Spaghetti Western fans, we've got a monthly specialty show dedicated specifically to the iconic film genre of the 60s and 70s. For more Western discussions, plus some pulpy fun, go to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. Y'all listening to Weird West Radio. All RAINMAN Digital. Welcome back, everybody, to Weird West Radio. If you miss any part of this broadcast, you can always find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Just search Weird West Radio. All right, so we're in the middle of talking about The Way of the Gun. The 2000 Western epic directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Now, before we went to break, I mentioned that I wanted to look a little deeper into McQuarrie's work. And because because I want people to maybe people who have only seen this movie once or they've never seen it. 
I have a feeling that once I go through some of these movies, people will suddenly have that aha thing. Like, oh, I can see that. I, I, I watched that movie, but I didn't know he directed that. As I said, I'm sure there's films that people just had no idea he worked on. Uh, McQuarrie made his directorial, directorial debut with the crime thriller Western, The Way of the Gun. Of course, as we've been talking. But he is a, but he also started his career as a writer with the 1993 public access film directed by Brian Singer. It won the Critics Award at the American Film Festival and shared the Sundance Film Festival's Grand Jury Prize. McCurry also wrote, here's another big picture here, The Usual Suspects. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, he wrote that, for which he received Best Screenplay Awards from Premier Magazine, the Texas Board of Review, and the Chicago Critics, as well as the Edgar Award. Oswald was a fag. <laughs> One of the, another great line in a movie. Dude, that movie is so good, and I... I have to say that's probably McQuarrie's best written film and to this date and uh, Brian Singer's best, best hand at directing without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, now he also worked and collaborated with Singer again on a couple other movies. He worked on the Valkyrie, the 2008 world war two film with Tom Cruise, where he built a relationship with Tom Cruise and, Ended up working on various films for the past 10 years. He worked on Jack Reacher, the 2012 film starring Tom Cruise. And if you have not, have you seen that movie, Clint? Which one? Jack Reacher. Oh, yeah. I, I, yes, I did. I didn't see this. Isn't there a second one? Yeah, yeah don't see it. Oh, <laughs> don't, don't see the second one. It's okay. okay. It, it'll disappoint <laughs> you, you and, and you'll, you'll want to kick babies. <laughs> because the first one is an exceptional movie and it did not get a lot of credit because a Jack Reacher is a popular novel series. And when you get these popular novel series, you get people complaining about, oh, but this is not what Jack Reacher was supposed to be. So they complain about Tom Cruise being cast. Never mind the fact that this movie is fantastic. And the opening 20 minutes has no dialogue. And I still remember I'm sitting down watching this movie. And we're about 10, 15 minutes in. There's no dialogue. It's all atmosphere. It's all, and it's, and it's entertaining. It's not boring. 10, 15 minutes in, no dialogue. And I, I look over to the person that I'm watching the film with and I'm like, you know, this movie feels a lot like The Way of the Gun. Oh, I had sure. no idea it was directed by Christopher McQuarrie until I looked it up on IMDb while I'm watching the movie. I'm like, holy shit. No wonder. No wonder this feels like The Way of the Gun. <laughs> so Jack Reacher is a fantastic movie uh, directed by Christopher McQuarrie and written by him. He also wrote Edge of Tomorrow, uh, the sci-fi epic starring Tom Cruise. And then he's also taken the reins of the Mission Impossible series since 2015. He directed Mission Impossible Rogue Nation and the recent Mission Impossible film Fallout that just came out this past year. And he will be directing the next two Mission Impossible movies as well. Awesome. Now you've seen Fallout, right? Yep. I love Dude, um, amazing movie, right? Well, you know, the thing is with with these uh Mission Impossibles, it they just get better. I yeah. I you know, I, I was agree. a fan at the beginning anyway. Yeah. But they just get better and better and they're more action packed and there's always something new. Uh 
some new action thing that he's done. Yeah. You know, so it's it's really kind of fun to watch and see what's going to happen next. Um, but yeah, I I've enjoyed them since the beginning. Yeah, dude, I agree. I I I am a big fan of all of the Mission Impossible films. I think the second one might be my least favorite at this point, but the last two are just the best. Macquarie took the story down uh, a more intimate and emotional route. He recaptured the the heart of Ethan Hunt's character in those last two movies and gave these action pieces uh purpose in my opinion while also delivering some of the most groundbreaking action sequences I have ever seen in a blockbuster film. Yeah. And that's that's what happens when you put indie style directors, you know, artists in charge of a studio picture. You get a film like Fallout, which I I call it amongst my film, you know, pals, my film douche pals, I call it an action masterpiece because it really is. Um, and of course, being directed by McQuarrie, who obviously likes Westerns. I mean, there's that scene in Fallout where Tom Cruise draws down on like 10 people, takes them all out in like <laughs> two seconds. Love that scene. So McQuarrie is definitely a director that most people should probably be following, following his career if you are a fan of the Westerns. And of course, uh, good movies. If you have good taste, you should be following his career. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny how directors feel about their work, though. Sometimes uh, McQuarrie has made some negative comments about his um, about his directorial debut with The Way of the Gun. Uh, he says it's a movie that he wishes he could do over again. Uh, I wish I could take that basic concept and make that as a film again with everything that I've learned. Oh. If only because it was the last truly original idea that I worked with. And this is from an interview taken from last year. Ooh. So he understands that this movie was unique. He just wants to do it differently now that he has a lot more experience. Well, hey, and man, that's what Hollywood's doing now. They're remaking everything. So go ahead. Well, and I, <laughs> I know. And I get what he's saying. He says it's the last truly original idea that he's worked with because he has written. Um, let me pull up his IMDb here. In the last 10 years, he hasn't had the opportunity to do anything that's his. Uh, he's done Valkyrie, The Tourist, which was Johnny Depp and uh, Angelina Jolie, Jack Reacher. He wrote Jack the Giant Slayer, but I'm going to pretend he didn't because that was an awful movie. That had to be Brian Singer's fault. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow, which is a fun movie. Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. The Mummy, which was a good movie despite people talking trash about it. Was that, that the Tom Cruise one? Yes. Okay, okay. That movie was fun. Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout, and he's writing Top Gun Maverick. He's writing Mission Impossible 7. He's writing Mission Impossible 8. So him he and also, Tom Cruise have a buddy system, what it, yeah. which it sounds like. Yeah, well, on Twitter, someone asked him, hey, man, we love your work. Do you have a, any... um?" films coming out that don't involve Tom Cruise <laughs> <laughs> and Christopher McCurry retweeted it and he's all hey man if it's not fi if it's not broken don't fix it and I agree with that I and mean, he's got a good thing going he's got a career built off of Tom Cruise Tom Cruise does some great movies mm -hmm. so I have no problem with that I know there's some Tom Cruise haters out there but just what are so stupid <laughs> <laughs> um, now the cinematography Clint was equally 
great in my opinion. Yeah, it was cool. Um, shooting those masters as we were talking about and not much if anything else possibly killed Dick Pope. I can only imagine I'd love to sit down with, with uh, Mr. Pope and talk to him about his process with McQuarrie's uh, directing style. I'd be interested to find out his uh, school of thought when it comes to masters versus coverage, because when you're a cinematographer, you don't want to miss anything. Sure. Yeah. You love those masters and yeah, it's, it can build atmosphere, but also you're handing over your signature or calling card and entrusting editors to do right by you. Because if it's not edited together correctly, these masters with the right sound design and so on, suddenly you get a boring movie with no life sometimes. Mm-hmm. And a cinematographer might say, this is not the work I did. I need some of those coverages. I need to be able to punch in and show uh, some more life by looking at a character's eyes. Cause I know a lot of times these, the cinematographers, they want to capture the, the pores of these actors, you know, their, their mannerisms, their wrinkles, because it adds so much more characteristics to a shot. Uh, so it would be interesting because Dick Pope isn't some schlub either. This guy has been around for for decades and has worked on some very big pictures. Uh, the Illusionist is one that comes to mind immediately with. Um, Hugh Jackman. Uh, yes, Hugh Jackman and the other guy that was Hulk for a day. <laughs> I, I always forget his name. Um, Starts with that. Nor- Norton. Edward Ed Norton. Norton. Yeah, I mean, that movie is uh, is fantastically shot. One thing that pops out when I think of that movie I, I is the visuals. That's sure. the first yep. thing that comes to mind. That movie is uh, a lot, it's very surreal, very atmospheric. It de- it relies heavily on what you're seeing. Uh, Dark City, a, I want to say a film noir science fiction piece starring Kiefer Sutherland that was shot in the 90s, directed by Chris Curling an amazing picture with fantastic visuals. So this guy has been around a very long time and has a lot of feathers in his cap. That being said, the film worked. I, in my opinion, being cut together, utilizing just those masters, as I said earlier, I feel it gave it more immersive and and a grounded feeling. It made you feel anxious, distrusting, which is the appropriate feelings that should have been evoked while watching this movie. I am curious to see how the actors reacted to the utilization of masters. The reason why I say that is because I know actors that I've worked with won't give it their all on a master. Oh, really? uh, they will wait until coverage. Yeah, because let's say you have a scene that requires a lot of intensity there. No matter how much of a professional you are, there's only so many times you can deliver an intense moment sure. in a single setting. So many times an actor will look at you I'm like, this is the master. And you'll be like, yeah, like, okay. And yes, they'll perform and yes, they'll do a good job, but the intensity may not be fully there yet. And then in coverage, when you start punching in, when the audience will see everything, that's when they give it their all. So it'd be interesting also to sit down with some of these actors and see uh, if they remember the process. Were they giving it their all? Were they aware that McQuarrie, I should hope they were, were they aware that McQuarrie was shooting masters mostly and not worrying about coverage? But overall, the cinematography, uh, the work from Dick Pope did for this film, I feel like did the same for this movie that 
Panio Deli Coli's work did for Once Upon a Time in the West. It mm. created a mysterious and hyper surrealistic vibe that added to the Western piece. It, it, there's a lot of similarities. Uh, the film budgeted at $8.5 million at the time received mainly negative reviews and uh, performed poorly at the box office, grossing $13 million worldwide, Clint. Come on. Really? Yeah. Now, if you scurry through the internet and you look for reviews on this movie, you will see that there are a lot of critics now who are changing their thoughts. Oh, well, that's good. And they will say comments like, we were unfair to McQuarrie's 2000 film, The Way of the Gun. You'll see a lot of that. Oh, let's take a second look at The Way of the Gun. And on upon second look, oh, it was a great, fantastic movie. So there are critics out there who, who just bashed it when it came out in 2000 that are now changing the way they viewed that movie. And I feel like a lot of audiences as well, because when I posted this on our, our um, Weird West Facebook page, Clint, I wasn't quite sure what type of reaction we would get. And it was one positive comment after the next. Oh, sure. Uh, people just saying one of the best Westerns, not one of the best movies, one of the best Westerns of all time. So if our fans who a lot of our fans on the Weird West page are they're purists like us. In a lot of ways. And when I say purists, I'm, I'm encompassing all facets, all genres. I'm not talking about the purists that just love John Wayne <laughs> or the American Westerns. I'm talking about the purists uh, like us, people who just love Westerns, whether it be spaghetti, you know, uh, contemporary Euro films, uh, Australian Western, American Westerns. It doesn't matter if it's Western. We love it as long as it's well made. So I think over the last 20 years, yes, it's been almost 20 years since this movie came out. Wow. Over the past 20 years, more and more people are finding that this movie is far better than they had originally thought it was. So that's got to make McQuarrie feel good, I would mm. think, right? Yeah, I would think so. That's got to give him some validity that it was not as bad as he thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. There's only one, I think only one real part that was kind of chunky in the 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 film. And I don't know if they even mentioned where they were going when Tay Diggs and uh, Lewis were, you know, they were driving somewhere mm -hmm. and she was going to have the baby. I don't remember them saying they're going to pull over or where they're going to go. All of a sudden they cut to the scene and they were at the place. Yeah, I, and and I'm yeah, not sure. I'm not sure if they discussed that or if it was a hard, crazy edit or what it was. But really, I think it was just they were in the car, and then she's walking through this villa. Yeah, I do remember that. You know what? It could be that issue because I do remember that there was a couple jarring moments. I want to, I don't want to say bad, but jarring. And maybe I looked at it and shrugged it off as maybe stylistic, you know, um, right. stylistic reasonings, reasons I should say, but it was pretty harsh. It, yes. And, and going back to McQuarrie's interview, he had, he's, he had where he said he would like to do it all over again. 
he actually mentions not giving himself a lot to work with because of working with just masters. Mm -hmm. That's what he wanted to do for this movie. He didn't change very much, meaning he wrote the script in five days, according to his interview. Oh, wow. Which is pretty fucking fast. And he says that a lot of it didn't change, which when you write a movie and then you go to shoot it, there's a lot of rewrites. He says that he shot it in a very stark way and he didn't leave himself room to manipulate. And he says, I would never shoot a movie like that again. Uh, I like masters and I like when a scene plays out, but you have to be able to control the rhythm and the tempo of the movie. So when you're shooting just masters, the whole purpose of coverage is to help yourself not have those jarring moments in editing. It helps explain how this character got here and now why are we in the scene? And if you're just shooting masters, you can miss a lot. So that jarring moment you're talking about could very well be because of, you know, McQuarrie's desire to shoot masters in this film. Mm. So I could see that. Like I said, the movie isn't perfect. Very few movies are perfect. There are issues. But before we get into that, let's. Let's just move right into our final thoughts and then we can talk about the pros and cons of this movie. Uh, let's make our way past the bag man, smack the uh, femme fatale in the ass, the one that <laughs> didn't want a baby but then wanted one. She was giving it up to Tay Diggs. And then we're going to sit down at the bar and uh, we're going to talk about this movie. Clint, what are your final thoughts on this movie? And how many shots of whiskey do you give it? I'm actually going to give it four. I the one. How thing, many aborted fetuses do you give this? Oof, movie? no kidding, uh, right? Uh, uh, I will. The one thing I really liked is how it flowed. Um, I thought, you know, aside from what I just asked, that jump, everything else moved just fine. And I thought it was fun to kind of watch. Actually, the different uh, eras of actors. You know, you've got James Caan, who's just a legend, and you've got new new faces, Benicio Del Toro and Felipe, and excuse me, and you've got these newer genre faces, and you've got the older, and how they kind of interacted was really, really cool to me. And one thing that I absolutely love in just about every film is a gunfight. And we got a couple of them, and they were fantastic. And uh, I, again, I'm a Del Toro fan, so he, he did no wrong. The, uh, the one upchuck moment when we're talking about uh, aborted fetuses is when we're, we're giving her the old C-section, and he's got his thumb or finger st- stuck, stuck in her. That was a little much, but I think overall this is a this is a really cool film, and I I gave it four four shots of whiskey. All right, like it. I'm also gonna give this four shots of whiskey. I I would give it five, but I gotta be fair. I I will admit that a lot of my own. I guess uh, film geek wants are in this movie, but if I were to pull back just a bit and judge this movie on its overall execution, there are some issues, minor issues. Uh, There are some jarring moments. There are some scenes where you could probably use a little more dialogue. But for the most part, I feel like the rhythm and the tempo in this movie is spot on. Uh, I like the portrayal of our characters 
I like that we don't need to know how they feel about each other through talking. We get that Del Toro's and Felipe's character have been through it together. They're they're buddies. They trust each other. Uh, but at the same time, there's a little bit of uneasiness towards the end of the movie when they're not sure what they're going to do. Uh, there's a opposing ideas of what they're going to do with the girl and the baby. And you can see that they were even thinking at one point of possibly drawing down on each other. And all that's done through just looking at each other, just building that atmosphere that McQuarrie did so well in this movie. So there's a lot of great moments, but there's also some moments where I think they could have maybe um, uh, finessed it just a bit. But overall, it's just a fantastic picture. And if you're a, a film enthusiast and uh, you want to write a movie or get ideas on how to properly camera block and and shoot a picture like this this is the type of movie you study i've read this script numerous times just the script in fact i paid for it because i couldn't fight on i couldn't find it free online so i've paid for it (laughs) and then i lose it and i've paid for it again because it's just one of those movies i go back and i read because beat for beat it's amazing to find out that mcquarrie wrote this in five days because it's a good movie and it just shows how he is a master of his craft that he can put this together in five days that's pretty cool i didn't know that part yeah but think about if he added if he wrote this in 15 days he he might have uh fixed those little those little minor issues (laughs) all right so this concludes our discussion on christopher mcquery's the way of the gun i want to thank everybody for listening if you're just now tuning in and you're missing or you missed the entire review because you're listening to us on Weird West Sunday, uh, please head over to Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and just search Weird West Radio, and all of our shows, including this one, will pop up on your feed. Uh, Thank you, Clint. Thank you, Michael. And good night. Or said he be taken from such prison to a suitable and convenient place of execution within said county and there be hanged by the neck till he be dead, dead, dead. Now, do you have anything to say, young man? Yes, Your Honor, I do. You can go to hell, hell, hell. (laughs) 